0: Hi friends, thanks for tuning into In Other News, a random podcast about stuff,
1: the kind of stuff you think about every day, or at least some days. Here's the setup. Once upon a time, three young guys worked together to deliver news and weather from a local TV station. Today, they're a little older, a little wiser, and they're back to discuss the things that really matter, and a few things that don't. Thanks for listening. Now here's Axel, Joe, and Adam.
0: Well, welcome back to another News, Joe Axel. It's been a while. Hello. It has been a while. It has been I a while. Why. Should, we, should we tell everybody why it's been a while? Um, yeah, let's confess. We had uh, an amazing recording session. Our best show ever. Our best show ever. <laughs> and uh, yours truly forgot to record it. Uh, <laughs> so there was an hour of us chit-chatting, which was among... Was among the best, I think, of all of our podcasts, and uh, the three of us were the only ones to hear it. Yeah, but, and the topic was. Uh, well, should we should we share the topic well, so that we? Yeah, because it might come back again. Yeah, it, it might yeah, come back. We yeah. we maybe we feel compelled to redo it. We have to give it a little bit of space so it doesn't sound you know rehearsed. <laughs> no, but that's uh, right. But it was and I have to say that my co-host here, Joe and Axel, they were very gracious, uh, uh, because I felt mortified when we got to the end and I was like, oh, huh, it wasn't recording. Didn't record. Yeah. You know, those sick feelings that you get, uh, that was one of those times, right? Yes. Sick yes. Feeling. But we're back now after our little hiatus. Well, at least for the listeners, it was a hiatus and, uh, for us, we were working as normal, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but I'm sure that our our loyal three listeners were probably wondering where we were. Although nobody <laughs> nobody has posted it on Facebook. And, uh, gosh, you guys, it must be spring. We are so busy. We have forgot to wrap up that contest too. We probably Ooh, better do that right. this week. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, let's put a deadline by the end of the week. We'll wrap up the contest and declare the winner. All right. And it will not be one of us three. So uh, so here we are. Uh, we're back uh, for another episode. And today, uh, you know, we are just uh, a few short weeks, two short weeks out from Memorial Day, the unofficial start of summer. Um, and we are talking travel, uh, gentlemen. And, and this year's travel, I think, is going to be like none other. Uh, this week, in prep for this uh, podcast, I was looking at some some data and information, as Joe trained me to do. And uh, I have a couple of questions for you guys. So the first one is uh, NPR recently did a survey and uh, they asked uh, people, do you desperately need a vacation after the last year? What percentage of the the population said that they desperately needed a vacation after this past year?
1: I would uh, put that
0: in the High 60%.
2: Yeah, I was going to go probably 80%. Ooh,
0: that was Axel, my first thought. Axel, you're right. Two-thirds of Americans said they uh, desperately needed a vacation. But not everyone is uh, taking a vacation. So, so how, what percentage of people uh, are willing to travel right now? So I guess it would be as of mid-April, what percentage of people were willing to travel given the COVID situation?
1: Hmm. That might be tough to guess because, uh, you know, depending on the mode of transportation. So I'll put that somewhere around 40%, maybe.
0: Yeah.
2: I was going to go uh, probably a third of people were, were willing to travel at that okay. point. Actually it's
0: 52%. So half huh? the population mm-hmm. is kind of ready to go. And then for those who are ready to go, what is their preferred mode of transportation right now for, uh, for their vacation? I'll say car.
2: Yeah, I'd say car too.
0: You are right, 65% saying they are likely to travel by car this summer, but 42% saying that they feel comfortable with domestic air travel. Now, if you look at what's happening with air travel, um, there's a lot of people that might say, I'm not comfortable with it, but they're doing it anyway. And right. uh, I know for for our family, we have a couple of trips booked and uh, we are we are trying to, my wife and I are trying to find a getaway, but uh, it's pretty packed out there uh, in some of these prime vacation spots. We'll have to see if we can actually make a go of it or not. So. Not to yeah. mention at a at a pretty good price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the some of our old reliable places seem to be double the price that they were ah, yeah. uh, before. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting times ahead, and it uh, seems like a lot of people are going to be using that PTO that they saved uh, over the past year. I know I've got some. I'm sure you guys have some as yes. well. It's yeah. a at it. Uh, we've got money in our wallets, and we've got time on our hands. Sounds like the perfect recipe for vacation. So, we're going to give you our top travel tips. Sound like a plan, guys? Let's do it.
2: Sure, sounds great. Okay, I'll- so... Wait, I was gonna yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, you go you go ahead. I was gonna say, how about I start? <laughs> how about <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Well>, How <laughs> go ahead, Joe? <laughs> All right. Well, uh so uh, we w- didn't do a lot of traveling during the pandemic. We canceled our. We usually take a nice long family trip right after school gets out, and drive to a state we haven't been before. We we scrubbed that last year. We scrubbed our North vacation. We didn't do holidays with any families other than ourselves and then uh, and so once we got to spring break this year oh we also canceled the spring break trip last year too so when we rolled around the spring break this year we said okay where can we go that we can see some different scenery not have to necessarily worry about having to pre-test or post-test when traveling somewhere we can be by ourselves and how can we do this as safely as we can. So what we did was we went to the north shore of Minnesota from From where we are, it's probably about three and a half, four hours from uh, where I'm sitting right now. We went to uh, the North Shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota, for those who are not familiar with what we mean by the North Shore. And we found a place where we could, uh, after looking at resorts and uh, Airbnbs, VRBOs, places you could be, By yourself. Spring break seemed like it was still a pretty popular travel time even in a pandemic Uh, places were harder to find a a stretch of days that worked with our spring break. Well, once um, my son's spring break also kind of flexed a little bit because that was when schools were deciding when they were going to go face to face again. So they extended spring break by a couple of days. And so that was our clue like, okay, let's see what we can find. And so we found a place at a resort in northern Minnesota. But to get there, like I said, we haven't traveled in a while. So um, we were trying to follow the CDC and the state of Minnesota guidance of only stopping, making the fewest stops as possible. So we really only stopped once on the way up to, to use the bathroom and and get a snack uh, and then made it to our destination. And same way on the way back one stop, um, which lately has been pretty good for us. Normally I'm a snacker. So I, if I pull (laughs) over, I'm going to grab a snack somewhere, but uh, we kept it. We packed our own snacks and took care of it that way and took our time to get there because uh, even in the pandemic, there were plenty of uh, state troopers on the interstates ah, at that yeah. time. <laughs> so right. the
0: pandemic uh, has given people permission, seemingly, to drive much faster. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. So I would say, you know, pack your own snacks, find a place where you could be uh, as safely alone as you can be. We placked packed plenty of masks we also had to pack, uh, pack up uh, plenty of winter gear because you never know what's oh, going to happen in yeah, spring break northern and minnesota it did snow three other five days we were up north so uh not much of a spring break that way it was cold but it was good to see scenery that was not basically out our front window staring at the the neighbor's house basically so we had a better view that way <laughs> what we also did was in our travels um Even though our resort said they they clean everything, they spend extra time cleaning, they also have appeared to put in some extra days in between renting some of the the places, or at least they used to, that they'd reserve a day in between stays. Uh, even that, though they were doing that, we still took a pack of Costco disinfectant wipes with us. And as soon as we got there, we wiped down every light switch, every remote control, anything that we would touch, wipe down the kitchen, the counters, the, the seating, anything that we thought we would actually put our hands on during that time, just for an added sense of safety. And it only took you know, a few minutes for us to do that, but it gave us a sense of reassurance. And and uh, well, we we all were fine afterwards. So um, whether or not it helps, hard to say, but it gave us that peace of mind that we could enjoy our trip that way. The North shore is also good uh, because you can space yourself out. You can socially distance for the most part. Um, the only part where we felt that uh, was maybe a little too, um, too crowded at times so well even though we were outdoors would have been gooseberry falls a lot of people were at the oh, fall really? the day yeah a lot of people were at the falls the day we were there and so it was like okay technically we're within six feet of someone and technically we're outside but let's just put our masks on just for safety and i would say probably about f- at least 50 to percent to two thirds of people had masks on that even though they were outside in that situation so um it was really uh, uh worthwhile for us to go. We hadn't been away for a while. It was a great place to go. I'd like to go back when the weather's nicer. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, if you take the proper precautions, at least at that time, we felt pretty safe doing it.
1: Now, Joe, you mentioned a kitchen in your, uh, the the place where you stayed. Mm -hmm. Did you find yourself utilizing that kitchen more so as opposed to going to a restaurant to avoid restaurant crowds?
2: Correct. We would we specifically got a place with a, a kitchen where we could cook our own meals and have our own breakfast if we chose. We were also at that part of the pandemic where we had been used to taking uh, getting takeout here in Rochester. So we kind of uh, were comfortable with that process. But uh, granted, where we were on the in North Shore, you were still uh, fifty minutes away from the nearest sort of restaurant or fast yeah. food restaurant so that cut down on it uh, uh, quite a bit as well um, there was a coffee shop nearby uh, that required masks when you went in to get your coffee um, so we were felt safe doing that but really uh, we we packed enough food with us where we'd have probably at least a half to two-thirds of our meals where we were staying and then there was a, a culver's run in there as well towards the uh nice
0: Joe did did you uh so you guys this was like a VRBO setup right and so do you think that you will be more inclined to use
2: VRBOs than hotels in the future that's a good question it depends on the amenity so as we were looking for this situation um it was Harder to find. It seemed like it was getting harder to find uh, a great situation that had the ideal dates that lined up with the dates that we were available. Uh, if you got, you know, granted, it's still the school year going on in Minnesota. So if you were away from the spring break weeks, it seemed like you could have your pick of days and places. But around those popular times, it seemed like it was more of a challenge. We are, we would be very much open to uh, continuing to look to Airbnbs or VRBOs in the future, uh, especially maybe as we travel um, in places that we're already sort of familiar with um, instead of the typical hotels that we might stay at. But uh, it, de- it depends on where you're going. Some VRBOs and Airbnbs are certainly economical and affordable. Others you know, they are matching the prices of what you might get at a hotel. So it's really going to be price and amenity dependent. That's, so do
0: you, do you guys find that you almost need to do VRBOs and Airbnbs well, that everybody has a,
1: has a bed? It's uh, you're, it's funny you asking this because just a week ago for the very first time I booked uh, through VRBO because we'll be uh, uh, going on a little long weekend to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And now with four kids who no longer kind of, you know, can squeeze into two queen beds that you might get at a good price at a hotel, I determined it's much more reasonable to rent a little house for the weekend at the same price or even at a lower price and getting, you know, that many more amenities in the, at the same time. So that, the VRBO route is very likely going to be the Gumballs
0: travel path from here on out. We're, we're big fans of the VRBO. We we often look to those before hotels now, wow. uh, even when we're going, especially if you're going to stay for a number of days. Um, it's kind of nice because, you you know, you have a kitchen. Um, you can have some space to decompress, uh, you know, and if you want to spend time with each other, you can be together. If you want to spread out, you can do that. It, we, we find it to be a pretty uh, – decent way and there's some really nice uh, vrbo's out there too
1: so explain though adam this is because i'm very new to vrbo and um maybe my first rookie mistake is that i actually call it verbal <laughs> versus uh vrbo words <laughs> but what i so as i did my very first search i the results that pulled up that they were actually a mix of private homes and hotel rooms and i mm-hmm. oh, yeah. couldn't I, I didn't realize so is it so do they kind of go with both and
0: I've just noticed that recently they've started including hotel rooms in a VRBO search. I usually exclude them. Okay,
1: that's what I have to do. Yeah. I didn't expect that. So that surprised me. I, and it wasn't clear you know, you would look at a search result and you were like, Hey, that sounds kind of good. And then you kind of scroll down and you realize, Oh yeah, it's the best Western. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. 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 It isn't even like fancy hotels. Yeah. No, no.
2: It's yeah. (laughs) Would you guys, uh, granted with families, it's a different situation, but if you guys were younger and single and ready to, you know, travel the world would you guys be open to doing one of these airbnbs or vrbo's where it's like a room in someone's no, house no
0: no yeah. no probably not yeah <laughs> ever occ- no, ever. okay <laughs>
2: we, we seem to have unanimous <laughs> agreement <on that. laughs>
0: yeah. i always find that creepy like people who would rent out a room in their house like and i have known people who have actually done that and then they like you know Sit in the living room with the homeowner and like have a conversation and I'm I'm just not that extroverted. No,
2: same here, same here. Very well. So that's just a kind of a, some of the things that we were considering at that time with the road trip, granted where we are in uh, the pandemic now. Things are changing, uh, our, our requirements might change a little bit more for what we're looking for. Uh, we we do have our up north uh, vacation planned for this summer. It's it's already booked um, at the place we usually go. To. And so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future brings. But uh, uh, again, we did road trips, but Axel, you've actually traveled on a plane during the pandemic. Uh, What was your experience like? What advice do you have for people who might be hopping on a plane this year?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you want to hear the pandemic uh, flight experience, you uh, should uh, scroll down to what is that season one episode something something where I think I discussed a a trip to Florida at the time. But for today's segment, I will we're going to completely ignore the pandemic because I have for you seven and a half. And yes, it's seven and a half. Seven and a half. Tips. We're curious about what the half tip is. Yeah, we'll huh. get to it. Uh, travel tips that are geared. These are tried and true experiences that I've turned into tried and true advice when you fly with kids and young kids at that, right? So as a reminder, I do have four kids. Now they are uh, 10, 7, 5, and 3. But these tips are sort of accumulated uh, over time. I think uh, many listeners probably remember that I am from Germany originally, and I'm the only family member here in the U.S. So trips to Germany are usually on the agenda, maybe once a year, ideally. But it's getting to be very expensive. So it, uh, it doesn't happen every year anymore. And then, of course, with the pandemic now, it's been almost two years that we've been over there. But let's ignore the pandemic and uh, go into these tips uh, for let's call them young families and how to fly with your kids and make it an enjoyable experience or at least a, let's say a manageable experience. So, uh, oh, and I should, one more disclaimer. So these tips are obviously based on mostly overseas flights. But also, they are based on my experience almost exclusively with Delta Airlines, right? I should mention that. That is sort of—I'm very loyal to Delta Airlines, and uh, they're not
0: a sponsor yet, Axel. They're not a sponsor yet, <laughs>
1: so uh, Delta with Airlines. Hold your
0: enthusiasm. You,
1: if you're listening, yes. uh, sign up. Yes, uh, you can be right behind Costco. That is right. Yep, we'll make room. We'll make room. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, tip number one: use multiple browsers when searching for airfare, and it's probably true for domestic airfare too, although I haven't seen much of a difference there. So what I mean by this is, I, you know, when I look for airfare for a family of six, it's not as simple as, you know, pulling up a quick search engine to find a cheap ticket. I, I, I research it to death, right? Because I do want to save every single dollar I can, because it's not cheap flying six people overseas. And what I, you know, so the process takes several weeks. Let's say if the idea is to fly to Germany or to Europe uh, in the summer, I start that search process. Let's say right before Christmas, you know, do some generic searches about uh, prices. And and what I've noticed over time is that, you know, it happens all the time. You look, you you start jotting down prices, and then you search again a week later and a week later, and then they just kind of keep ticking up and. There's always that moment where you're like, "Well, gosh, I should have booked this two months ago to get the best price." And uh, I, then, through happenstance, I read an article—I don't know where that was, maybe it was Wall Street Journal or something—that talked about the strategy of using multiple browsers because the airlines, or even the you know your uh, what do you call those uh, travel sites like you know Expedia or Travelocity and all, all those. Uh, as you repeatedly type in your destination and your, your, your data, the computers on the other side, on the other end of the service, they recognize you as a repeat visitors. And for one reason or another, the price could just ever so slightly increase to sort of hook you in, you know, with that philosophy of, well, you know, price is going up. I better, I better book it now. Mm. So the advice was at the time, do all your research on one or two browsers, but when you're ready to book, then go to one that you haven't used. So you're not recognized as a repeat visitor, even though, and, and guys, I'm not sure how it works because obviously you type in your name eventually and all this other information. Uh, but believe it or not, it, this, this has worked for me now a couple of times where I, you know, I usually monkey around in Google Chrome for most of my internet uh, work and you know searches. And so I would do all my research there. And then when I'm ready to book, I might go to Internet Explorer or Firefox. And sure enough, for the last couple of overseas trips, you know, a price that would have been, let's say, eleven hundred dollars for the ticket would then be just maybe 998 or you know, 1050. So mm-hmm. it's not a huge savings, but if you do that time six, you know, six people, you can save a couple hundred dollars at least if not more if you if you do it at the right time so mm-hmm. that's just been a new routine i you know to ignore one browser completely do all the research in one or two and then when you're ready to book and make that payment use a browser you haven't used i'm i'm very curious how that works or what what the inner workings are on the sides of the airline or those travel sites but I thought I would pass that on as my number that one tip. That is a
0: good tip. I think yeah. that's also true of hotel bookings as well. Oh, I
1: bet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably an industry wide tactic with everything travel related. Um, someone for, somewhat related to that tip number two is to consider smaller airports for your departure and and also your arrival. To get a better deal, and I have a very specific example. Uh, as uh, you know, people, listeners, know we are all living in Southeast Minnesota, so the Rochester Airport uh, is uh, sort of the closest one that offers, uh, you know, pretty decent uh, connections out uh, in every direction, really. Uh, but when you fly to Europe, usually one or two things happens. You either get routed through the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then you hop overseas. Or you go through uh, Atlanta. What I've noticed is, and this happens, this happened now for probably the last ten years, a flight that goes from Rochester through Minneapolis and then overseas will be cheaper than the same leg from Minneapolis to overseas the overseas destination only, and sometimes by as much as two hundred dollars.
0: Hmm.
1: I, I cannot explain it. And it it could it could literally be the same, you know, let the same overseas leg, same airline, same, same time, same, you know, exactly the same deal. But then if you add that extra leg down to Rochester, uh, which arguably is much more convenient for my family of six because it's a smaller airport, security is a breeze, you parking is cheaper, just overall way more convenient, and then you save a couple hundred bucks, which is, you know, per person, which is a major savings. Mm-hmm. So I believe us, uh, at least on the Delta Airlines website, there is now a little checkbox where you can kind of just, uh, you know, it, it, it asks you, do you want to consider surrounding airports? And usually you can kind of capture airports, say around a hundred miles or so. And so I do that frequently and, and sure enough, uh, flying out of Rochester, Minnesota has been, um has been the way to go for us internationally uh, domestically it it kind of depends on where you go i think uh tip number three this is uh if you are flying with very small children as in babies and i have done that a few times you of course every time a new child is born you gotta parade them over to show them off to grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles over in germany and um we had uh researched uh what is the best way to fly with a baby and, you know, without necessarily paying for a full full ticket, right? There are, there no longer are, based on what I've seen, there are no, there are no child fares. There, there used to be, but not anymore. But there is an option to um, keep your child on your lap, which is free. Of course, you need to consider keeping that child on your lap, you know, for the entire flight more or less, which when you fly to Europe, you're talking at least eight, nine, 10 hours, depending on where you're going. So we found out that uh, on every airplane, they have uh, two or three bassinets, right? So little, wait, what really? Yeah. Yeah. Little bassinets.
0: And, where are those set up? Like,
1: well, that, that, yeah, that goes with that. So you, when if you want a bassinet, that means you will have to try to get that row of seats that is essentially right behind the galley, so that you have a wall in front of you where this bassinet hooks in. Right. So if you so you you can book your regular, you, you can book like normal, but as soon as you then click that uh, you want a bassinet, it'll tell you, all right, you can have a bassinet, but you will then have to be reseated to this row, which is in the center in front of that wall, not not the greatest. Not the greatest spot, but if you get that free bassinet, it can be a great option. And sure enough, the first time we did it, that's exactly how it happened. We had considered keeping our, I think it was uh, our uh, first uh, son who was maybe six months old. We said, all right, we'll try it on the lap. We we can kind of pass them on between my wife and I and kind of go back and forth. Uh, Then we heard about this bassinet option. So we requested it. They receded us we got the bassinet and it was wonderful. You can put the kid in there, you, you can strap it in and they you know they sleep and it's it was, it was awesome. It was just perfect. But there's a big but and we learned that for trip number 2, 3 and 4 down the road with other children uh that you know kind of went through that phase where they would fit into a bassinet and that is yes you can order the bassinet, but it is not you are not guaranteed to, to get it until you're actually on the plane and at that time you may find out that another family already booked a bassinet and it seems kind of uh
0: so do you have to coin flip them then or arm well, wrestle, no it, it, or?
1: I think you're you're literally at the mercy of whatever flight attendant you're working with apparent it seems to me that delta or any airline perhaps they just let you choose Order a bassinet, but it's not a guaranteed reservation. Yes, you can say you want it, but until you're on the plane and then tell this flight attendant, hey, we had a bassinet on our ticket order uh for a number flight number two, three, and four. We actually did not get the bassinet. So we're stuck with still that row of that row in front of the wall, but without the bassinet because some other family got it first. Maybe mm. it's because they've stepped on the plane first or. I don't know how maybe their kid is younger. In fact, in one situation, the flight attendant told us, well, you know, yours is an eight-month-old, theirs is a two-month-old. So we figured that the eight-month-old can handle themselves better on the on mom and dad's lap, which which I was not happy to find (laughs) that out. So uh,
0: I'm not sure of their logic, but (laughs) no, the logic, there is no
1: logic. And so sure enough, those were some very challenging trips. And in, in fact, it 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 triggered. The splurge to actually purchase a full ticket for our small children, even though, you know, under two, even though we could keep them on our lap, because it is, it it is absolutely a nightmare to keep a child on your lap, even if you can kind of trade between your, your spouse and yourself. It is not, it, it is, you know, 10 hours and you're thinking, well, I can make it through, but an hour into the flight and they're, squirrely and cranky and you know can't eat can't sleep it is you very quickly you're like i'm going to pay the price next time it's your brain just gets fried so fast <laughs> and so sure enough um with child number uh, 3 and 4 we did not go the bassinet route we said all right let's uh, just budget extra for that for that ticket because you're that much more relaxed to arrive <laughs> and and so then they have their own seat and you know they Of course, then they sleep all night, and you're thinking, "Well, I could have had that on the lap now." (laughs) So, anyways, uh, number tip number four: uh, when you have a number of kids and you're trying to manage the food situation on an airplane, it's a very simple tip that my wife lives by, uh, and that is try to uh, get try to arrange the meal service such that one of you, one of the parents, gets their meal early. Before everybody else, and when I say early, uh, and how do you do that? Well, you, you know, you can't just say, "Please, can I get my meal half an hour early?" The way you do that is uh, when you book your tickets and you look at the meal options. You simply choose something that's not the standard offer. Yeah, by that, I mean, you know, you could go, you could order a kosher meal low You salt, get like the
0: salmon, right? Vegan, the salmon. Yeah, something the like salmon that. salmon that everybody loves that you're yeah, eating yeah. fish on a plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. And uh, they, you know, those get
1: delivered early. So, you know, they come out 20, 30 minutes early. So my wife typically goes for that option so that she is done eating by the time the main fare comes around. And then, you know, then I eat and she can kind of worry about the kids to get their food taken care of. So i Very much love that option. And my wife does not mind a bit to order something a little bit different. In some cases, it turns out that those special meals are maybe a little bit fresher, a little bit more appealing because, you know, they only make a a small number of those as opposed to sort of like the 500 way too dry chicken breasts, you know, doused (laughs) in flat tomato sauce, that sort of thing, but it works well. Uh, Tip number five research airport rules. Uh, this makes me think back to a situation a couple of years ago that we had when we flew back home from Germany and, uh, the flight at the time routed us. We departed from Zurich, Switzerland, which has been lately our uh, preferred arrival airport, uh, just because my family in Germany lives very near the Swiss border. And, um, Turns out it's very cheap to fly. Shouldn't say cheap. Nothing is cheap when you fly overseas, but cheaper flying into Zurich, Switzerland than maybe, you know, Munich, Germany, Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, Long story short, uh, on the way back, we were routed through Paris, Charles de Gaulle Airport. And when we fly with our little kids, we usually have a stroller along, just, you know, one of those umbrella strollers that you can easily collapse and whatnot. What we did not realize is that when we checked into, Uh, our flights in Zurich, they told us that you cannot have your own stroller at the Paris airport. So what, what do you mean? We have two little kids here. That's how we intend to get from that gate to the other gate. No, you cannot do that. What they also didn't tell us is that you can have a stroller at the Paris airport, but it must be rented from them. We didn't know it. We simply thought that you cannot have a stroller at the Paris airport. And so sure enough, we arrived, you know, from that first little flight within Europe to, and then you, you have to walk two miles to the other side of the airport to, uh, catch your international connection. And that is just you know, another trip that you just don't want to have to do huffing and puffing with two little kids that have to be held because they can't walk then, you know, it's so do your, your airport research because, um, you may find out about some amenities that come in very handy
2: or avoid the paris airport if or avoid the paris Paris. airport
1: yeah it's not i don't know it's not my favorite but um for that reason particularly number six and my wife will disagree with this one heavily and that is do not i say do not go with all the blog advice about traveling with small kids (laughs) (laughs) and my wife will just kill me right now But do listen to podcasts but do listen to tips on the podcast (laughs) So my wife is very much into researching, you know, what, 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 what's the best way to keep kids entertained on the plane. And there are some seemingly great tips, like take a, take a roll of scotch tape, right? Because they love playing with that forever, or, you know, make a special, uh, cheerio necklace that they can just finger and eat if they want, blah, blah, blah.
0: What about the, and- give them a shot of booze before you, leave? <laughs> that, or, or, yeah. <laughs> But
1: the, the reason I don't like it is that, so, you know, so, so you have all this little stuff along your bags are just filled to the brim with these things that are just, just taking up space. And I, I just cannot stand it. And, and I think my point has been proven over the last several years because so sure my wife or I whip out the scotch tape and it entertains the kid for, I don't know, 30 seconds, right? <laughs> because the, the window uh what do you call it the window shutter is much more fun yes. to open close open close open close for an hour right <laughs> and these days too you know especially on these long haul flights chances are you have some type of a screen in front of you you know an entertainment system where something is bound to be there for kids even if they don't have headphones you know you know how kids are they could stare at a cartoon for 2 hours not even hearing a thing but just <laughs> Moving colors is all they need. So that's why I say, you know, don't go overboard with those tips because, uh, you can probably keep it rather simple or, you know, like the emergency flight card in the seat pocket in front of you. Lots of fun pictures in there. You know, the card might be pretty yes. bent out of shape. Air by quotes. The time you get fun.
2: There.
0: Yeah. <laughs> water landing. What to
2: do in the right. case yes. of a water landing. Yes. Yep.
0: <laughs>
1: so anyways, like I said, my wife will disappear. We'll disagree here, but uh, maybe she won't listen here today. I'm not sure. Uh, number seven, it is not wrong to go for a credit card to go for those frequent flyer miles. I'm very, I would say I'm very conservative on credit cards. I, you know, I only have two, uh, but my one is uh, my go-to because in sp- specifically to collect all those points. And uh, when you pretty much religiously use that card for just about everything, you can quite easily amass these points. And really points for my family are the only way to find an affordable way to travel overseas. It allows you to never pay full price. And, you know, as you amass these points and with the pandemic, we haven't flown much. I mean, really, it's been two years now that we have done an overseas flight. And so quite a few points have accumulated in that account and sure enough i will use those to you know push down the price i i love the option of um you know you can you can lower your ticket using you know let's say 10,000 20,000 30,000 miles and uh push the price down that way and uh i so i i people you know people sometimes uh say that credit cards are evil and but if you pay it off every month you know credit card companies will hate you but that's the way to do it. I have had this credit card, the same one now for 18 years. I have missed exactly one payment by one day. But other than that, it's all about the points. And and like I said, I'm pretty loyal to Delta Airlines. And so I found a credit card that connects with their SkyMiles program. And I, 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 I go for it every single time. So that brings me to that half tip, right, guys? I said seven I'm, and a half tips. I'm
0: very curious about a half tip. Does that so mean that, you're only going to give us half of it? You're going to stop mid-sentence? or Well,
1: it's a half tip because I'm not sure to what extent it's still valid today. It worked very well probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Not so much anymore these days. And that is related to... You know how airlines often overbook a flight and then they look for volunteers to to yep. um, you know mm-hmm. step back take another flight and they'll throw some you know a voucher at you or some cash even and in the old days and when I say old days you know up to maybe 10 five years ago I had made it a practice to the second that I arrived at my gate to uh, hop on a flight I would march right down to the desk attendant and I and I'd say Hey, I'm Axel Gumble. I'm booked on this flight. If you need volunteers, just in case, put me on your list. I'm your guy. <laughs> and many times that would work. They would, you know, they would, before they would even make an announcement to the gate area, they would pick me out because I would, you know, sit nearby and they say, hey, Mr. Gumbel, you, you mentioned earlier, you would be willing to step back and yeah, we need a couple of seats, would you be willing to do it? And I've done it many times more so when I fly by myself because it's harder to sort of manage a quick rebooking for six people. The reason I say it doesn't work as much anymore is uh, if you guys have done um, some of those kiosk check-ins uh, when you take a flight mm-hmm. uh, many times or again, I can only speak from the Delta Airlines experience when you do that check-in at a kiosk, oftentimes the the final screen will be something like you know should we be overbooked, uh, what what dollar level would uh, compel you to say i'm going to take another flight and then you can pick from you know 100 200 3 4 and i think 500 is the highest and i ever since ever since that sort of virtual option appeared i feel like the sort of running up to the aid agent telling him i'm willing to volunteer hasn't worked really as much anymore because i think they just squarely go by what people enter into the system and then they go by, you know, they start announcing the dollar levels and they say, well, you know, $100 if you are willing to take another flight. And if your name is such and such, such and such, such and such, please come to the desk because those are the people that have indicated their willingness to do this for $100 or 200 or 500 Whereas versus the whole idea of sort of making that quick connection in person. Must not count much anymore. I it hasn't worked now for several years. And but I thought I would bring it up because maybe if you're a single flyer and you just hit it up perfectly with that gate agent, you know, they might they might just uh, turn around and and pick you out because I from what I understand is that gate agents still have in or maybe I shouldn't say still they have uh, increasing sort of authority over decision-making on behalf of the airline as to how to, you know, fill the flight or how to empty it if you need extra seats. And so, I don't know, it may be worth uh, checking out. It's not everybody's cup of tea to sort of raise your hand when you don't need to raise your hand, but I've done it a few times and sure enough, it resulted in extra trips or some extra cash. So what
0: was the, what was the largest amount you ever got out of that? uh,
1: I think it was twelve hundred dollars. Oh, Oh wow! <laughs> and it was, and and I should say twelve hundred. It was a twelve hundred dollar uh, flight voucher, but twelve hundred dollars. I you know you, you yeah. get a, This was uh, several years ago, so I could get a trip out of it, um, an overseas flight plus a nights a night in a hotel that I needed anyway. So yeah, it was, uh, it was perfect. But these days, I, I want to say that the limit is maybe you remember this two years ago, there was some controversy and the ruling was that a gate agent has authority to throw out as much as $10,000 if, wow. if they're desperate. Wow. And and every once in a while you hear on the news, how somebody actually got that because they were that desperate to get, you know, businessman had to get to New York from the West coast that night. And there was no way to do it other than bumping one other person off and they throw the money at you. So it's worth it. So I, so, you know, now when the screen pops up at check-in, I just automatically type in 500 bucks because you can't go any higher and really, you know, you want something out of it. If you do get bumped, especially with a family of six. So, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, Anyways. Uh,
0: gentlemen, you know, um, Speaking of travel. So, you know, there's the American dream of driving across the country in an RV, right? Yes. So you guys, you guys have that dream. I'm sure you do, right? Sure. Oh, all the time. There's something very American and My masculine. Kids are about it. It. Yeah. So, sure. so this is, uh, you know, and especially now, I think, you know, if you want to be, if you still want to be socially distant, you want to be outdoors in nature, what's a better way to do that than through an RV. And so, um, here's a real quick tip uh, and I don't even know frankly if this still even exists anymore we've tried to find it and some some internet research shows it still exists some maybe not but but we'll give it to you anyway so a few years ago the, the braises stumbled on this trip we uh, it, it was uh, it was through travel Zoo and it was an RV relocation and so this RV company had bought um, Oh, hundreds of RVs from the RV factory and needed them relocated to their sites. And in exchange for you, you know, delivering this RV to your, to this destination, they would let you rent it for a dollar a day. And I think you had 2,500 miles uh, that you could drive it. And uh, it was an amazing deal. Cause you know, now if you look at an RV to rent an RV, it's like, gosh, it can be like two to it can be way more than a hotel room two to three hundred dollars and you get maybe you know a 100 to 200 miles a day or something like that and so we jumped on this and we went down to uh what is it forest city iowa where winnebago is uh is made and we picked up our brand new 24 foot i think it was a 24 foot um mini winnie it's Um, brand new that's Brand new, brand new, so still nice. had the new RV smell, which is not as good as the new car <laughs> smell. I think we drove it home with all of the windows open because we were pretty sure that there were toxic chemicals involved, but, uh, but yeah, we got this thing at home. We parked it in the driveway, we loaded it up and we hit the road for gosh, I think it was eight days. We went through South Dakota and into Wyoming and Uh, to Colorado and um, we spent time in Yellowstone and the Black Hills and um, and it was it was a great great time at least for me I think I I, my kids probably a little bit undecided after the vacation but then we dropped this thing off uh, at the location in Denver and we tried to figure out how do we get home so we so this was one way it's one way Yeah. yeah okay so we uh So we ended up renting. Here's my travel piece of advice. First of all, look for an RV relocation. Great deal. If you can find them. Second of all, don't expect to fit everything that you fit in an RV in a standard size car rental, uh, because a one-way car rental is quite expensive. So we rented a standard size car rental and, uh, and uh, we could not fit most of what we had in the RV in that standard size car rental. But nonetheless, we, we made it home all safe and sound uh, with the help of my in-laws who brought a minivan to uh, tote kids in while we threw stuff into this little car. But, um, but it's, it's a great uh, way to explore America. Brand new RV, um, uh, you know, and you have to be prepared. Like, it costs some money to um you know to stay at places each night and it uh i think no matter where we were whether we were going up mountains or going down the freeway we got eight miles to the gallon of gas wow uh but but it was uh it was super fun you know at night you'd pull into a place and you'd unpack and you'd you'd you know have your campfire and you'd uh, you know just explore um but it was like the American dream driving this big RV uh, cross country. Now, the other thing that I'll say is that there is a little bit of risk. When, when, we, uh, when I turned in the RV, there was a long whiteboard full of, R, you know, full of RV numbers on them. And I'm like, well, what is that whiteboard all about? And they're like, well, those are the ones that are coming back damaged. Bear in mind, these are brand new <laughs> RVs. And uh, there was a long list of them. And I said, so that, that looks like quite a list. And they're like, yeah. Right now, about 50% of them are coming back with damage either, you know, because you've, you've got these people who saw it was a great deal, but they really have no business driving an RV. Uh, and so they knock air conditioners off the roof or they back into bridges or things like that. It gets very expensive uh, if you damage a brand new RV. Luckily, ours did not have any damage. Uh, it was just... Uh, lived in for for eight days, and it was a grand old time. We would probably consider doing it again, although after eight days in an RV, we were ready for a hotel room or some other change of venue.
2: I was gonna say, how's the showering situation at these various places where you're parking? Well, you know, our
0: RV had a shower built in, so we had hot water, we had a kitchen in our RV, we had a flat screen television. Mm we had uh even a memory foam bed uh in this RV. so we had we had a fair number of luxuries that we were able to enjoy how hard uh, how hard would you say was
1: it to kind of learn the ins and outs you know push all the various buttons getting getting it all set up was that intimidating uh it was
0: it was uh, generally not um our, the RV that we had was surprisingly basic in its functions. Uh, it didn't ride where, very well as a driver, which is not great when you're driving 10 hours a day to the next hmm. location. But, um, but generally, it's pretty easy to use. You uh, learn very quickly how to dump the septic uh, tank that was my question (laughs) like really messy you do not want to screw that up Um, (laughs) you only make the mistake
2: once yeah you
0: yeah yeah you only will um and probably everyone does uh uh, (laughs) but make sure you've got the valves adjusted right and you'll be just fine
2: how awkward sorry go ahead joe i was gonna say uh, speaking of airbnbs from earlier there is a company now where you can Rent someone else's. That's RV right. Yes. for to that. long so RV share. Um, I think it's,
0: it's called right or something like that. Yeah, There's a Couple I've, of I've seen yeah. the
2: commercials. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Axel.
0: Yeah, Adam.
1: How uh, you you mentioned uh, gas usage? Uh, how hard or awkward was it to pull into that gas station for the first time you with know, <laughs> yeah, that big yeah, vehicle? Yeah, did yeah, Did you have to right, maneuver of ten right. minutes to get that straight?
0: Well, uh, <laughs> so I'll tell you one thing. I learned very very quickly that you always have awareness of your exit right mm-hmm. so you you never go anywhere where you don't where you can't immediately see how you're going to get out of it and there is plenty of room so so what that meant for us is we may fill up with gas before we really needed it if it was on the far end of a pump uh, at a truck stop, right? So you're not kind of navigating in between spaces and things like that. Our RV did not have a backup camera on it either, which was surprising because mm-hmm. this was just a couple of years ago. Uh, I sense that a backup camera would be very useful on an RV. Um, but uh, but yeah, you definitely, you, you always... After the first day of driving it, you quickly learned like, oh, I have to be thinking of how I get out of these places that I get into. And, (laughs) and obviously you're going to touristy places too, right? So, um, you know, we were in Yellowstone, so we were, you know, at these wayside pull offs and stuff like that. And you always had to be thinking about, okay, how am I going to get out of here? Can I actually make this corner? Is it going to require a 15 point turn? um those things go through your mind but then you know after a few days you become the captain of the
2: ship and get pretty comfortable with it and uh i was gonna say plus when you're in the black hills too uh there's a over at custer state park there's a something called the needles highway yeah Uh, i would imagine you probably don't want to take a 24 foot rv (laughs) through the Needles highway because there's there are
0: a few roads you avoid (laughs) yes
1: now adam you 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 had your kids along correct for this trip yes what are the rules so my my kids are dreaming of an rv vacation yeah and one of one big appeal is the fact that while mom and dad are in the front seat they can live it up in the rv you what, know it what are the i mean are there any rules can they can passengers just
0: roam roam I... in there can should do <laughs> they these are gray areas generally um i uh, we i think there are seat belts in the back but uh you know our kids rode a lot in the overhead bunk they slept a lot they'd get up and you know use the restroom or whatever um uh, you know they, uh just Try not to crash uh, was the general (laughs) uh, was the general theme of of my attitude toward that. There you go. So there you go. Uh, You can uh, look for You can look for RV relocations on the web. Uh, Sometimes they have them. We saw it this year. The deal wasn't as good as one dollar. I think they were up to like thirty five dollars a night, uh, which is still a pretty good deal. But it it is more, I think. And uh, every once in a while, you see these good deals uh, come along. So just uh, be on the lookout for it. And I think those are our travel tips for now. Uh, We have to do a lightning round, gentlemen. So uh, we'll do that right away when we come back. Joe will try and stump Axel and I.
2: Joe. I was waiting uh, to see if anyone is interested. Okay, give me a second. (laughs) Three, two, one. (laughs) Hey, welcome back, everyone. So uh, we're having some fun here. We're going to wrap up our travel and travel tips segment with a lightning round. Gentlemen, I'm going to quiz you on a few things that I found involving travel. Uh, Some of these were pre-pandemic stats. Uh, Others are just general knowledge sorts of things. So uh, I'm going to start with Axel, since you are our world traveler. Uh, In 2019, so pre-pandemic, there's something called the MasterCard Global Destination Cities Index, and this ranks cities based on how many international overnight visitors that were set to visit or that those cities were set to receive that year. So if you can name me two of the top 10 travel destinations in the world from 2019, because that's the most recent I could find, just tell me what were two of the top 10 travel destinations according to this index for 20 in the world i in would the world. Uh, i would put new
1: york city on that list all and, right and and uh let's see i'm thinking asia something uh you're looking for a city
2: not a country correct a city i'm looking for a city hmm we'll say bangkok Nice. That is the number one answer, actually. Wow. 22.78 million overnight visitors were set to visit Bangkok in 2019, and New York was also in the top 10. It was seventh place. About 13 ah. million people go there. Uh, so very good. Other cities in there were like Paris, London, Dubai, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, places like that. So nice job, Axel. All wow. right. Adam Braze. Uh, according to the World Atlas, what is the world's most popular tourist destination based on the number of annual visitors so take Bangkok out of the equation that was just like for overnight visitors what's the world's most popular tourist destination based on the number of annual visitors I have to just rant. I don't have multiple choice you got the top 10 give me 10 places that was <laughs>
0: people traveled
2: for a tourist destination uh, okay
0: I'm going to go with uh, Walt Disney World I'll Yes, I'll give you Disney World. Yes, that was okay. eighth place, and uh, mm, I'm gonna go uh, mm,
2: Bali. <laughs> uh, more specifically, even though you got it wrong, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Las Vegas, the Strip, Vegas? Uh, what? of course, thirty-nine million. Visitors annually. People want to go as far as the world goes. 39 million people from around the world go to Las Vegas. Wow. (laughs) Others were like Times Square, uh, Niagara Falls, Oh, i could Divs. have mentioned all of these but i yep. thought those would be too obvious i thought i, I would have given you disneyland as well because that's number nine right after disney huh. world I, mean, I thought seeing both of them would have been kind of ridiculous <laughs> but. and then uh, forbidden city in beijing is another one all right axel back to you of trains buses or taxi cabs the one you cannot ride in iceland because they don't have any What was it? uh, Trains, trains, buses, or taxi cabs. Iceland doesn't have any. uh, Oh, which one? I believe they don't have trains. They don't have trains. You're right. There's no public train system there. Very good. All right. Adam to you. Uh, Okay. Uh, New Year's day, 1914, the world's first scheduled passenger airline service took off. It operated between two Florida Gulf coast cities um, Grieve. <laughs> so, w- do you know what those two Gulf Coast cities were? And do I have to give you options?
0: Um, I'm gonna say uh,
2: Tampa and Naples. Ooh, close. Tampa. You want to take a second guess? A second guess? Besides Tampa, uh, this is 1914. And think of the airline technology back then. Well, yeah, it's not very much, but um, how about Pensacola? Ooh, nope. I'll give it to you. It was St. Petersburg. So. Oh, which is
0: a, <laughs> essentially a suburb of Tampa. Yes. Yep.
2: Okay. 21, 21 miles. I should get credit for that. <laughs> I was impressed you got Tampa, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, it's a 21-mile flight across Tampa Bay took 23 minutes uh, <laughs> that airline lasted four months they quit the <laughs> line people yeah. four months. <laughs> and it cost $200 <laughs> uh, but it paved the way for for today's sort of uh, transcontinental flights so Axel uh, so I had mentioned China in one of our travel things uh, if you were to travel to the Great Wall of China approximately how many meters long is the Great Wall and I said meters because you're originally from Germany which uh, uh, this is what I'm looking for. So, how many meters is it? Is it 17 million, 21 million, 24 million? Hmm. I want to convert that to kilometers because of, <laughs> it would be kilometers. It would uh, be. Yeah.
1: Give me the give me the numbers one more time, please.
2: 17 million, 21 million, 24 million meters. Hmm. 24 million. Uh, Close, 21 21 million meters, or 13,000 miles, roughly. Uh, Let's see, Adam, what's the average percentage of salt in the Dead Sea? Uh, You mean in the... uh, The Dead Sea in the the Middle East? Yes, I'm with you so far. Okay, so uh, the The percentage of salt content? Salt content, is it... 21, 24, or 33%. Uh, That's the one where you just
0: float, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say 24.
2: 33 percent salt so if you drink that water yeah ocean water is about three and a half percent the great salt lake which we all hear about here in america is about 13 percent salt so Mm -hmm. dead sea is 33 percent wow that's a lot of salt that's salty all right axel name three of the top five spoken languages in the world if you know uh these five languages you are uh pretty safe world traveler so if you know can you give me three of the top five languages spoken in the world
1: well english would be on there right
2: you got it uh uh spanish you got it that's number five how about uh what is it um mandarin you got it that's number one (laughs) yeah mandarin english uh hindustani arabic and spanish are your top (laughs) five (laughs) all right adam true or false it is unheard of in italy to eat chicken with pasta True or false? Um, well, I'm going to say true. It is true. Don't let the Olive Garden fool you because you should not have chicken with your pasta or you can't get it in Italy. So well done. <laughs> quick uh, quick uh, side side note here. And I, I
1: don't know if it's true, but my journalism professor told me about it maybe 10, 20 years ago. Did you know that Olive Garden food will not contain any basil? really because when they started the company they did a bunch of focus groups so i'm told i I don't have any verification but they did focus groups with you know american eaters and uh basil was not uh, a favorite herb in any of their foods and based on that they allegedly none of their offerings includes basil to this (laughs) day
2: that's something you didn't know before this podcast that's right (laughs) All right, gentlemen, we got uh, one more question for each of you, so it's Axel's turn here. Uh, The oldest airline in the world that is still flying. Do you want to take a guess, or should I give you some choices? Oh, I know this. If you give me the choices, I will know it, so go ahead. Is it Qantas, British Airways, or KLM? Oh, now I'm stumped after all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will have to say...
2: KLM. You got it. Founded yes. in 1920. Well done, sir. And uh, if a uh, bonus question here oldest airline in the US that's still flying? It's still flying. Yep. Oh, I don't know. No guess. You've professed your love for it on this oh, Delta. podcast. Delta. Yep. Oh. 1924. All right, Adam, the last one is for you, and we're going to stick with Delta Airlines. Uh, okay. Delta Air, Delta Airlines' first business line did not involve transporting passengers or even cargo. Delta started at what type of business involving airplanes? So we know it's founded back in the 1920s. Um, what was their original business line? Uh,
0: involving airplanes? I, yes. Um, Not transporting cargo.
2: I'm going to say military. Ooh, Ooh, good guess. Interesting. Uh, No, they're founded in the deep south where there's lots of agriculture. Agriculture was going to be my second guess. Yeah. So what do you think these airplanes were doing for agriculture? Crop dusting. You got it. Delta was a crop dusting operation when it was founded. Interesting. (laughs) Wow.
0: So that's that's your quiz for this go around, boys. Well, Joe, uh, congratulations on an insanely difficult quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Travel is a tough topic to uh, come up with a lightning ground on uh but hopefully uh people got some good tips uh i know that uh now that i don't need it you can get a bassinet on an airplane did not know that (laughs) there you go probably will never ever use that travel tip but uh you know maybe some of our younger listeners will so yep uh and with that gentlemen i have my first vacation plan for next week i don't what, what do you guys have for uh summer plans
1: well, uh, we have that uh, trip, road trip coming up uh, to uh, uh, Sioux Falls, that I mentioned. That'll be in June. And then later in June, we will uh, actually uh, road trip back down to Florida for 10 days over the 4th of July. Oh, that'll uh, be a Great yeah. time to be in Florida.
0: 4th <laughs> of July, Florida. They go hand in hand.
2: <laughs> as long as there's a pool or an ocean nearby i think you're fine now we are coming up on a uh sort of a not really a true milestone anniversary it's one that ends in a, a zero or a five and then uh so we probably should be doing something for that for for my wife and i we have to figure out what that will be and then of course our up north vacation here in minnesota before school starts again and then who knows yeah it seems like there is a race on right now to fill airplanes and fill hotels and travel has certainly rebounded here recently so right. we'll we'll just have to wait and see what what where we can go and what we can do well let's do let's do our part to keep
0: america reopening gentlemen <laughs> we're on it so until next time uh maybe next time we will have the lost episode uh we'll have to see uh, you did hit record on this one right? i do have record going on okay, this one. Got so. <laughs> So until next time, guys, great talking with you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Safe travels.
2: See you later.